There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. It's Thursday, August 4th. From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is the DMV Download, brought to you by the men and women of Steamfitters Local 602. Get an estimate and learn more at steamfitters-602.org. Hundreds of students across Virginia are taking a stance in urging the state's Department of Education to change guidelines that define any references to LGBTQIA people as, quote, sexually explicit content. You know, what I consider sexually explicit content like um, bestiality, pornography, fetishism, um, they define all that as sexually explicit, rightfully so. But then, you know, next to that, they add homosexuality. The student's request questions the basis of Governor Glenn Youngkin's bill that would require parents know when school materials contain sexually explicit content. WTOP's Scott Gelman joins us to share the voices and the background on the issue that's representing the latest chapter in the Commonwealth's debate over how social issues are taught in the classroom. The concern here is students are not only going to feel maybe unsafe in class because of this definition, but secondarily that you're going to deliberately leave out materials by, let's just say, a gay author because it is deemed sexually explicit content. Thanks for joining us. I'm Luke Garrett. And I'm Megan Cloherty. More than 600 students from Northern Virginia and across the state penned a letter asking the state to create guidelines that clarify the LGBTQ plus community is not, quote, inherently sexual. Yes, to talk about this request and give us some background on it is WTOP Scott Gelman. He publishes a weekly school zone feature on WTOP.com and has covered the changes taking place in Virginia schools ever since Governor Glenn Youngkin took office. Scott, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always enjoy it. So let's start with the basics. How did this letter come together as it was students from a few different school districts who really made this request? What is it specifically asking for? Sure. So there's this organization called the Pride Liberation Project, which is a group of students identifying as LGBTQIA+, and it is representative of students in Arlington, Alexandria, Fairfax, Prince William, Loudoun, it really spans wow. the, the course of Virginia. And so okay. uh, yesterday they sent out a letter that was signed by over 600 of these students with their initials at the bottom. And it was sent to the Virginia State Department of Education in, and it pertained directly to a piece of legislation that Governor Glenn Youngkin signed in April that requires the State Department to create guidelines to notify parents when there is sexually explicit material mm. that is going to be taught in a classroom. Right. This was part of his kind of broader effort to give parents some more say over education. That's exactly right. And so this was a big thing on the campaign trail for mm -hmm. Governor Youngkin, not only education, but this notion that parents should be more involved. And mm. so right. there's this piece of legislation. It was uh, a bill that passed both the Virginia House and Senate, and ultimately he signed again in April. And it basically says after you create these draft policies, the state creates the draft policies to notify parents of the material, then by January 1st of 2023, every local school system and school board in the state of Virginia has to create similar guidelines. Mm. So a lot of different pieces, a lot of sort of policy buzzwords, right? Mm -hmm. But at the core of this is 
if there is what could be interpreted as sexually explicit content being used in the classroom, the governor signed this bill so that parents could be aware of it and be informed of it. Right. But it, the, the students are taking issue with kind of the vagueness of how that sexually explicit content label really is being used. From your reporting, the Senate Bill 656, there's an interesting element of this that the bill itself is sort of predicated on another bill, on the language in a, in a previous bill. And that's right. leading to this this vagueness. Can you describe kind of that the, the whole idea behind that? Right. So that's the, the topic of the letter, right? The topic of this letter that was sent again to the Virginia Department of Education is basically saying you can create these guidelines, but we need to understand whether homosexuality specifically is an element of what could be defined as sexually explicit content. And the really interesting and wonky part of this is that there is a subsection of Virginia law that describes what is sexually explicit content. And Mm. then when you go to that section of the law, it refers to another subsection for all the policy wonks listening to this. And in that section, it basically says that homosexuality is sexual conduct and sexual conduct Mm. is a subsection of sexually explicit content. And so you get to this place where these 600 students say, well, wait a minute. Does that mean that homosexuality and materials that are referring to homosexuality and Mm. perhaps materials that are used in the classroom written by somebody who is identifying with the LGBTQ plus community not allowed to be taught in school anymore? Right. Mm. Even if it has nothing to do with the actual sexuality, it's just about like, you know, same sex partners or even like historical events like Stonewall or something like that. So that's exactly right. And so the concern here is that students are not only going to feel maybe unsafe in class because of this definition, but secondarily, that you're going to deliberately leave out materials by, let's just say, a gay author right? because it is deemed sexually explicit content. And you spoke to a student who's really led this charge. What did she tell you? Yeah, so the the leader of this group, the Pride Liberation Project, her name is uh, Rifka Vizcardo-Lichter, and she basically described that this was a grassroots effort to express their frustration. You know, on the surface, it's, you know, it's a whatever bill. However, it was a very intentionally vague bill that buried in the fine text defined, you know, using their terms here, homosexuality as sexually explicit content. These students are basically saying that it's going to burden teachers and principals who, by the way, according to this law, have to notify parents at least 30 days in advance of when this alleged sexually explicit material will be used in a classroom. And also that principals have to, before the school year really even begins, review all the material that all of their teachers are using to make sure that it is not deemed sexually explicit. Otherwise, much like COVID and exposure notifications, you have to send out a letter giving parents the option to opt out of Mm. having the opportunity to engage with that material. And so you basically, under this law, have to give the student an alternative if the parent says so. so. And I wonder if you're if you're a teacher, if that just automatically, you don't want to create more work for yourself, you automatically are going to, you know, maybe choose an author who is straight versus an author who is gay. So you don't have to send a letter home and do the whole notification process. And that's the concern. That's exactly the concern, right? Is that because you might become so burdened with having to figure out what is in is not appropriate to use in your classroom, that suddenly these authors or these historical events or whatever it might be are going to be excluded from the curriculum because you just don't want the headache. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And let's talk about, you know, the queer students who have issue with this. The leader that you spoke to, did she say anything about how this affected her personally? It's unsafe. Even when we come to having supportive families, we face an outside world that 
you know, wants to deem us sexually explicit for existing. The direct quote that really stood out to me in our conversation is she said something to the tune of, I really thought that at this point in time, we were doing things to be able to advance everybody, no matter their religion, sexuality, whatever it may be, feeling safe, Mm. going to school, but really safe in general. And she said, bills like these really set that back. And so it's a frustration that that this group and organization has is there are going to be materials excluded. There are going to be things that typically might be touched upon in, in traditional settings now mm. all of a sudden getting extra attention, whether it be something as simple as a novel or something as broad as a historical topic, right? Mm. It was interesting because I remember in the Yunkin campaign how big of a deal this was. And really, I mean, some might say it clinched it for him. I mean, do you get the impression that other states are kind of looking to how things play out in Virginia, even when it comes down to it's been months, right? But this is still has this ripple effect where it's affecting curriculum. And how is it going to affect curriculum? Do we know if other states are looking to this and saying, "Okay, let's see how this works? So it's a social experiment in a way, right, because the governor campaigned on education. And suddenly when you campaign on an issue and then you are elected, you sort of have to deliver on the issue. Absolutely, right? And yeah. so this is this is an element of that. And it's sort of reminiscent of the conversation that we had a while ago about this anonymous tip line. Right. Of mm-hmm. uh, That's another piece of right. uh, action that the governor introduced regarding what could be interpreted as divisive concepts in school and parents having the opportunity to be able to report teachers who were teaching divisive concepts. And that has a, a separate broad definition that I won't bore you with. But (laughs) basically, at its core, in addition to being a campaign promise, this is something that proponents say, well, we just want parents to be aware, right? And we want parents to be aware of what's going on in school, aware of the materials, and on top of their child's education. And Mm. then you have the flip, which is this student and others who say, well, wait a minute. My sexuality is not sexually explicit content, but Virginia law seems to say that it does. Right. And Do we know if there's any relation to when we look down south to Florida, there's like the don't say gay bill. What's the relation there? And are students afraid that that may come to Virginia? So it's funny because Megan just asked if we look to other states. And so while there is not a broader umbrella of this policy, you see what's happening here in Virginia and then you see what's happening in Florida. And you might be able to argue that what's happening in Florida is actually a more extreme version of what is happening here, even though the letter and the press release sent out says don't say gay in the headline, right? So Mm -hmm. homosexuality in Virginia code, don't say gay. There are a lot of parallels there. The other interesting thing is the ACLU of Virginia went on and filed a comment on this, and Mm. they were adamantly against it for really two big reasons, right? So the first reason is all of a sudden you're censoring authors. So think of your favorite author, and if there is a question about their sexuality or that it could be deemed sexually explicit content, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden that's possibly out the window. Mm -hmm. That's A. B is a really interesting point that we've talked about on this podcast, in the newsroom, in the world, is that teachers are tired, right? Yeah. So the ACLU of Virginia (laughs) says, so you mean to tell me that on top of pandemic and on top of all this virtual learning catch up and students who are struggling to behave, right? Like, let's not forget that part. Students are struggling to behave in class after not being there for so long. And so all of a sudden, you are now also telling them that they have to review every piece of material that they will use in their classroom. Which for many of them may mean, I mean, if you're teaching a lit class or something or a history class, that may mean an entire reworking of your curriculum. Correct. Right. A narrowing at the very least. And so the, the examples that were given to me by this student, in addition to particular authors, Virginia Woolf was one, were things like HIV. Are you suddenly not going to talk about HIV and AIDS because huh. it's deemed sexually explicit content? Mm. Are you suddenly not going to talk about the Stonewall riots? 
history had queer people in it, right? And continues to have queer people in it. Erasing us from it doesn't change the fact that we were there, but it does change the fact that we're being educated about these queer historical figures. And so all of these things are top of mind for the 600 plus students who signed on to this letter. And we learned that while there was acknowledgement that the letter was received, sort of a thank you for your concern, we'll consider this in addition to all of the other feedback that we've received before finalizing the guidelines, there is no denial, actionable thing for them to walk away with feeling like they were heard. And just to clarify, that's from the Virginia Department of Education. Correct. That, yeah. that response came from the Virginia Department of Education. And basically, the policies that this student organization and others were giving feedback on are a draft. They are not finalized yet for how to how to contact parents about this material. Mm. And so basically, this public comment period that was open is the opportunity for you to raise concerns or support the draft guidelines, which, among other things, say you have to 30 days beforehand tell Luke, your child, that right. there will be X novel read and it might mm-hmm. be sexually explicit. But it sounds like the issue, they don't take issue with the fact that they're letting parents know this is being taught. It's taking issue with how those lessons or pieces of you know books or whatever are being classified, right? That's exactly right. You know, what I consider sexually explicit content like Um, bestiality, pornography, fetishism, um, they define all that as sexually explicit, rightfully so. But then, you know, next to that, they add homosexuality. So if they're not classified that way, but parents still learn, learn, okay, these are the books we're going to be teaching this semester, that seems like a middle ground to me. And that's the argument, is not to do away with this policy that already passed the General Assembly and has support from the governor and Mm. numerous others, but is to say, let's, let's clarify this draft policy to say that homosexuality is not included in sexually explicit content. Mm. They're not one and the same. Correct. That is the request from this student, this group of 600 plus student leaders across Virginia. Well, we'll be watching closely to see what they do do or they don't do. It's going to be interesting. And the, the even more fascinating part is during the pandemic, I feel like many people became really honed in on their local school boards, right? You were seeing sort of slots to speak publicly, fill up, so, yeah. you know, and even before the, a lot of parent involvement, right? Yeah. And so now all of a sudden in this upcoming school year, by ge- by January 1st, you're going to have to have a policy in line with the state policy. And so what do they do in mm. Fairfax, Arlington, Loudoun, some of those Southern Virginia counties? It's going to be interesting. All right. Scott Gelman giving us uh, really the lowdown here on where this thing stands. And we'll definitely be following it with you. Awesome. I look forward to hearing this week's uh, DMV date segment. Very excited. Well, Scott, you read my mind. After the break, we return to our DMV download date segment. We have some new ideas for your next meet and greet or surprise for your longtime significant other. Backed by the experience of its hardworking members, Steamfitters Local 602 is ready to take on your next commercial heating, cooling, HVAC, or refrigeration project. Steamfitters Local 602 adds value to our community through its partnerships with local contractors and building owners, all while keeping the focus on improving the lives of its members and their families throughout the DMV. For work that's on time and on budget, go to steamfitters-602.org to schedule your next project. That's steamfitters-602.org. Steamfitters Local 602, changing lives. Thanks for listening to the DMV Download. If you like this show, give us five stars and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. We love hearing from you guys, and your reviews really do help other listeners find this, our area's only in-depth daily local news podcast. And thank you for making us a part of your day. 
Okay, so before we go, we are returning to our DMV dates segment. My favorite weekly segment. Back by popular demand, um, or just that we do it every week. And I'm going to start today. My date is in Bowie, Maryland. Ooh. Yeah. And okay, so this is my my plan. You go up to Bowie, you go to Rips. Rips. Which is apparently a restaurant that has been there for decades and decades and decades. And it's one of the most popular in Bowie. And it's right next to the Bowie Bay Sox Stadium. Oh, I love that team. It, I mean, that is fun. If oh, you guys haven't so been to fun. a minor league baseball team, it is super fun. And affordable. It, it is. Okay, so this is <laughs> back to, you know, so Rips is going to cost you, like, say you get, you know, a couple beers or something and a hot dog, or not a hot dog. You would get that at the baseball park. Yeah. Maybe, whatever. You get dinner, you a get nice an appetizer. Entree. Yeah. So that's 50 bucks altogether. And then the tickets for the baseball game are like $13 for general admission, where you don't have an assigned seat. It's just, you know... Free for all. Love the $13 ticket. Or or a box seat, which actually in that stadium is closer to the field. Okay. And those are 18 bucks. So either way, it's not going to cost you very much. So on August 20th is the next time they're back, they're in town playing on the home field. They're playing the Somerset Patriots. And there are fireworks that night, my friend. Wow. And your fun fact of the date, I kind of went down a little bit of a rabbit hole. Okay. Because I didn't know anything about Bowie, really, other than just generally where it is. Okay. Um, and it used to be named Huntington. In 1874, it was renamed for the Governor Odin Bowie, who was the governor of Maryland at the time. And his claim to fame was that he brought the Pimlico races to Baltimore. He was a big, like, horse racing kind of dude. Cool. Yeah. So there's your fun fact. I like Bowie. I love the name. It's just like Bowie, you know, nice single syllable. Boom. There it is. You know people aren't from here if they say Bowie. Bowie, oh, Maryland. Yes. yes. Oh, my gosh. As I have David caught people Bowie. saying that. Also, Luden. People will say Luden instead of Loudon. I'm like, it's Loudon County. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Is that where your date is? Uh, no, just south of Loudon and Fairfax. Okay. So this date is an evening date, preferably right. on a Friday, but any Friday or Saturday night. <clears throat> so you start the date at Founding Farmers in Tyson's. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's just kind of a classic, good local kind of syndicate restaurant. Big menu, so whoever you're on your date with, they'll have options, which yes. is always good. good a little spendy, though. I will say, this this date is going to be just a little bit more spendy than usual. So you have a nice meal there. Maybe have a drink. And then you head over to Wolf Trap in Vienna, Virginia, Ooh. and you see a concert there. Now, this Friday, the National Symphony does have a concert at 8 p.m., so if you want to do it this Friday, you hit that up. Yeah. Um, tickets start at, like, $28, so a little more expensive, but, you know, National Symphony's beautiful. It's just nice, like, getting a blanket. Totally. Laying out under the stars. I mean, I think you can go to Wolf Trap even if you don't really like the band. Right. Yeah. It's just an experience just to be out there and kind of take it in. Right. And you mentioned stars, which leads to the next part of oh. the date. Yeah, so in Great Falls, Virginia, there's the Observatory Park, and it's just like a 10-minute drive away from Wolf Trap. So as long as you haven't been drinking too much, you get back in the car. And then you can go to this observatory and literally watch the stars from this beautiful observatory right near the Potomac. Okay. Um, and, uh, and there you'll say, oh, my gosh, look at these beautiful stars. Did you know that the Air and Space Museum is opening up on October 14th? Let's go for a second date. Wow. Boom. Planted. That's a stretch. That's a fun fact. That- and a planted another date. And you can look at the stars <laughs> and reflect on the beautiful stringed instruments that you just heard. I don't know. That sounds pretty good to me. Couldn't you just see the stars while you're at Wolf Trap? That's not good enough. Well, no, the light pollution. Light pollution is a toughie um, for stars. You can, like, light pollution will destroy. <laughs> it really destroy, bothers them. Yes, very yeah. bothersome. You can't see any of the stars. You really have to go to a designated observatory. We I mean, don't have to, but 
You know, it's stakes a different are, experience. Stakes are high on a date. You want to make sure it goes well. Wow, that's um, a long date. So that's yeah. You're talking like five hours here. So um, maybe not a first date. Maybe not a first date, but who knows? I mean, maybe you're like, wow. Let's go. Let's do it. I don't know. It depends on the person. <laughs> They're really into astrology and into an orchestra. That's so true. This or you can just take date. yourself. That's always an option. That's true. That's, That's always true. An option. All right. That does it for our <laughs> uh, date segment that I know you all so look forward to. And for us today on the DMV Download, we are sponsored by Steamfitters Local 602. Our managing editor is Craig Schwab, and our music is by Real World. Give us a review and rate our show if you get the chance. And while you're at it, subscribe so you never miss a show. You can find out more about this podcast and become one of our VIP listeners at dmvdownload.com. Also check out our brand new YouTube page, the DMV Download. You can search it there. Ooh, yeah. The DMV Download is a product of WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in D.C., 107.7 FM in Virginia, 103.9 FM in Frederick, Maryland, online at wtop.com, and of course on the WTOP News app. Have a good night, guys.